Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the one and only weekly news show in English being broadcast from Eastern Morocco. It's also the best in the world. I'm Kevin Barrett, and this is uh, Mike Springman. Hey, how's it going, J. Mike? Oh, it's great. I like to be here and get another chance to throw rocks at the evil forces of darkness. Yeah, you can't throw enough rocks at those Israeli tanks, can you? All right, let's check out what we've got going this week. Uh, we, we're going to do a special show dedicated to Aaron Bushnell. So you see the image now, Mike? Yeah, I do. Okay, we're there. We're in the slideshow, and here's our image of the week. Uh, I'd say this guy is a patriotic American as well as a patriotic earthling. Uh, now, let's get to the public service announcements. Before we delve into the, the details of that. So here we go. PSAs, please support the show. Go to truthshehad.com. Find your way to the False Flag Weekly News link. Click on that. You'll be taken to the page for this week's show. And the very first link is our fundraiser. And you'll actually see some other fundraisers that didn't quite make the $200 goal, which has been the same goal for like 10 years now. I might have to raise it soon. And I also might have to do fewer shows because we're coming up a little short. So this, this, this is the show that takes up the most of my time, the most effort. It would have to be the first thing to go if I had to downsize. Keep me doing it. Go donate. All right. Another PSA, go to ifamericansnew.org and download these flyers. They have lots of great flyers that you can print and distribute. Post them, stick them, tape them, glue them, do whatever it takes to make sure people see this information by way of ifamericansnew.org. Okay, and before we get to Aaron Bushnell, let's talk about breaking news. Uh, Mike, you know, we keep saying you can't make this stuff up, but, you know, it, it, this one kind of takes the cake. So Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the guy that took the blame for 9-11, as well as the Lindbergh baby kidnapping, the JFK assassination, every other unsolved crime, uh, who was brutally tortured for so long that he lost track of time. He might as well have been for infinity. Uh, the CIA would slam him against the wall every time he tried to even breathe a word about 9-11. Wait a minute, this is the 9-11 mastermind. You'd kind of think that he'd want to get everything they could out of him about 9-11, including everybody else that he worked with and stuff like that. But no, the second he tried to say anything about 9-11, they'd grab him and slam him against the wall. Well, this the is the New York Times. agency doesn't like truth. It doesn't like uh, analysis. It doesn't like people asking awkward questions. Well, you know, maybe what he was trying to say was, I didn't do nine of boom, boom. <laughs> I didn't do it. Maybe Zio's had a hand it's, in it. It's, it's just mind boggling that, you know, and then the New York Times tries to frame that as well. This shows that the CIA didn't really brainwash him into confessing because they didn't want to hear a word about <laughs> the crime of the century that he supposedly conspired with lots of other people to commit. Uh, there's something wrong with this story. Well, do you think some of the, the CIA personnel might have been slammed into the wall too many times themselves? Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I know there's some people who always wanted to grab me and slam me up against the wall <laughs> if I talked about 9-11. Members of my family, actually. Uh, <laughs> but I wasn't I wasn't the lead suspect in the custody of the CIA. Uh, but yeah, this, this is one of the telltale signs that all of these things were obviously false flags because time after time after time the authorities showed no interest whatsoever in actually doing a thorough interrogation and finding out what the 
alleged perpetrators knew and who they worked with. Instead, these people would be just shot down like dogs. You know, uh, it happened with Seven Seven or uh, Charlie Hebdo, and on and on and on. So the uh, the whole the whole thing is is just bizarre. What else can you say? Well, intelligence agencies are supposed to use intelligence when gathering information. Slamming somebody headfirst into a stone wall or a concrete wall or a cinder block wall, you know, they're going to say anything. And if you do it enough times, their brains will be so scrambled, they won't be coherent whatsoever. So it's, yeah, well, uh, it's time to uh, wind up the, the lack of intelligence agency and send the money somewhere else. Well, you know, wonder they, they destroyed the tapes of these thousands of hours of torture slash interrogation of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. I mean, uh, talk about, you know, the biggest destruction of evidence crime in the history of humanity. That's it. And, yeah. and they admitted it. The mainstream media admits that they did that. Uh, and now they admit that they tortured the guy every time he tried to breathe a single word about 9-11. Okay, whatever. You guys want to keep believing the official story of 9-11? Um, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> All right, moving on to Aaron Bushnell. Uh, this was quite the amazing, shocking, horrifying, inspiring scene this week as the uniformed U.S. service member lit himself on fire and burned himself to death screaming free Palestine, uh, saying that he would not be complicit in genocide. And here's Sam Husseini's story, which we're leading with. Uh, this uh, was quite a way of sending a message, to say the least. And the thing that is, why we, Sam was good enough to include the video in there. Uh, and I'm surprised that the, the Zio nest at the uh, in the embassy uh, didn't shoot him down, and the, and the cameraman as well. And, uh, of course, you saw the, the wonderful Renikoffs that were there. Uh, yeah, well, they, they got there just, the they got their hair too late. Where's the, where's the, yeah, there it is. There's this drawing of it. The cop, yeah. uh, the Israeli security guy runs out with his gun drawn like he's, he's going to shoot Aaron. <laughs> yeah. And, they, and another cop is shouting, we don't need a gun. We need a fire extinguisher. Right. Yeah. That was, that was the American cop. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's uh, and then of course the mainstream media does its best to try to obscure the very clear message that Aaron sent. Uh, here's the Washington Post uh, by way of a certain J. Michael Springman. Um, <laughs> your take on the Post coverage, which was pretty similar to almost all the mainstream coverage. Yeah, it, uh, you know, it was like what they did to Gary Webb, who uh, published the news about uh, the CIA bringing crack kiln cane in America to fund Iran Contra. Uh, he was attacked as not being a truth teller, as lying in his correspondence, as making up stories, presenting false facts. And uh, this is what they did to uh, Bushnell. He, uh, he grew up on a religious uh, compound. Uh, yeah, he had an anarchist cast. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he didn't belong in the Air Force. He wanted out. Uh, he left a refrigerator full of ice-cold uh, ice root beer to a friend. I mean, they did their very best to make him seem like a non-person, to be, seem like a, a crackpot, and nobody should take him seriously. And they missed the whole message was that, hey, the Americans are murdering uh, Palestinians. The Americans are helping the Palestinians, the Zionists murder the Palestinians. That's the real message. And they just simply were swept by that like a, a jet fighter. Yeah, yeah. So, but he had an anarchist past. Well, you know, any American uh, past the age of 21 who didn't go through an anarchist phase is probably brain dead. 
Uh, I certainly went through a major anarchist phase, <laughs> and I'm not sure I ever left it, actually. Uh, one of the things I like about Islam is that we have no church and no state, as Bernard Lewis says, but that's another story. Anyway, Aaron Bushnell, uh, he sent the most loud and clear message you could ever imagine in the mainstream media. didn't really succeed in tamping it down. Uh, the alternative media did much better. Mondo Weiss, uh, best uh, Jewish outlet on matters relating to occupied Palestine, pointed out that it was an act of fierce principle love. And uh, shout out to Philip Weiss. Uh, over Caitlin Johnstone, another good alternative commentator, says we're not living in the same world we were living in before Aaron Bushnell lit himself on fire at 1 p.m. on February 25th. It was far too sincere an act committed in the least sincere city on the planet. It shook things around far too much for all the pieces to fully fit back into place. And I I hope she's right. I certainly think that this is, you know, the uh, something similar happened in Tunisia, setting off the Arab Spring. Maybe it's time for regime change here. Maybe it's time for the American Spring. And there are little tentacles of it growing on the internet and social media. Uh, the videos are going viral. Um, and over in Portland, more videos are going vi viral of U.S. service members, or rather uh, ex-service members, burning their uniforms. Uh, Mike, do you have a uniform to burn? No, unfortunately, I don't. I was never in the war corps. Maybe I could burn a flag. Or you, you, have a burn, you don't have a diplomatic uh, uniform? No, no. The, the British have diplomatic uniforms. All right, there you go. Well, they, they should definitely burn theirs. Um, so uh, how, how about uh, this, this tweet? They had a memorial for uh, Aaron the other night outside the Israeli embassy where the deed was done. And uh, I wish I'd been in the area to attend that. Um, the art that's being done about this is uh, quite extraordinary. I mean, you can just you know look for the hashtag to see even more of it. Um, over in Detroit, they're actually demonstrating even pretty much as we speak. If you're watching False Flag Weekly News right when we post it at 1 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, that's, I think, that's a, in one hour from now, I guess, or one hour, which is probably when a lot of people are actually watching it. They're starting their uh, demonstration in Detroit. Over in Malaysia, uh, they've already been demonstrating, carrying pictures of Aaron Bushnell. And uh, the people of Gaza have been tweeting huge numbers of these images of Aaron Bushnell. Uh, over in Texas, there was a t Gaza to Texas movement where Gaza people in Texas are, are getting these pictures from their, relatives, their surviving relatives in Gaza. Um, and then these makeshift shrines are going up all over the place. So it's uh, it's happening. Uh, it's definitely, I don't know if this is quite, if this is the revolution yet or if it's just uh, getting there, but it does feel like something changed when he did this. Uh, the, the artists are having a field day, whether it's this sort of Asian comic art style. Uh, there's a Chinese artist who did a really amazing burning painting, which you can mm. find by feeding your favorite search engine if it's not going to censor it, which it probably will. Um, but uh, there's a, a lot of uh, people who are trying to get the message out now uh, in a slightly less extreme form, although not particularly extreme compared to what's going on over in Gaza, as Aaron Bushnell said. And he wants his ashes scattered in free Palestine, which sounds like a good idea to me. Yeah, yeah. And of course, the Israeli embassy—they have now the uh, the Israeli rag draped all over the other side of the building. I went past Arena Road the other day, 
And every time I do, I always hear somebody with a rocket-propelled grenade will be aiming at the embassy, and I'll be caught in the crossfire. <laughs> yeah, you, you never can't be too careful these days, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so these protests, this this the whole Arrow and Bushnell story was protesting what's pretty much the first real certified, real-time certified genocide in history, with the World Court saying, "Yeah, this prima facie case shows they're committing genocide," and it's ongoing under like probably literally millions of cameras because there's still like 2 million people left alive in Gaza with uh, cell phone cameras. And uh, one of the questions that Aaron Bushnell raised was what, what did he, did he actually, was there more to it than just the publicly available information? He was going to be deployed over to that part of the world in, you know, we know that the U.S. Air Force and the U.S. military intelligence community is helping the Zionists uh, bomb the population of Gaza, helping them target and using giving them in, intel and such. Uh, but was there more to it? Are there actually boots on the ground? Are there American special forces guys going into the tunnels, uh, like the Shabbath Goyim, the, tu the tunnel Goyim here, right? Because the Israelis are too, uh, what shall we say, cowardly to go into the tunnels themselves. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Is there is there a bigger U.S. presence in the middle of this genocide than we're being told? Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, Aaron Bushnell was part of the military intelligence unit, so he must have picked up something and suspected something. And we always read about what the, the CIA and the Americans are doing in uh, Nazified Ukraine. Uh, there's always reports coming out about U.S. biowarfare experimentation stations there. Uh, CIA stations there all over the country, uh, uh, special forces, American and British there uh, that nobody wants to talk about, but uh, every once in a while, one of them gets killed. So yeah, if, if that's happening in Ukraine, uh, it's obviously happening in Palestine. And uh, the Ukrainians aren't terribly good at controlling information, but the Zionists are, and of course the Americans are, uh, they're afraid that uh, they're going to get some more kickback. The elections are coming and Americans might have enough memory to realize that Genocide Joe has created a horrible situation of murder, war crimes, and human rights violations uh, draped with the American flag. Well, the New York Times just published that big article on the CIA's history in Ukraine and, and their presence there, which is much greater than had ever been publicly admitted. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, and maybe something like this will come out about uh, the Gaza genocide five or 10 years from now. Uh, and hopefully at a time when all those people involved can be uh, taken to The Hague or somewhere like that and tried, convicted, and hanged until dead. Um, so here's, uh, uh, what, what's this? Oh, yeah, this, this, this is the intercepts here. Let me, let me fix this slide. This slide looks like it is, uh, here, let's move this one out of the way. So here's the story in the intercept between the hammer and the anvil, uh, the story behind the New York Times October 7th expose. So to, to trigger this genocide, they've had to keep coming up with ridiculous war propaganda about the evil Palestinians uh, beheading 40 babies and then you know, supposedly committing mass rape as a weapon of war. Uh, but it turns out there's no evidence for that. The New York Times published a deeply deceptive article authored by an Israeli PSYOPs Mossad uh, person and her, what was, cousin or something, <laughs> and got egg on his face with all, all the rest of the New York Times journalists uh, being rather appalled and leaking the story to The Intercept, which just blew the whistle on it. And this is probably the biggest New York Times embarrassment since uh, Judith Miller fell for Saddam Hussein's WMD. 
Yeah, well, you look at the uh, the cars there. That wasn't done with machine gun fire. That wasn't done with hand grenades. That was done with rockets fired by American Ap- Apache helicopter gunships. Right. It's kind of a, in this photo is an example of, this is the Israeli supposed rape investigators or, you know, the war, war crimes investigators trying to find evidence that Hamas committed supposed war crimes during their raid on October 7th. Now, they didn't have any time to be sitting around raping people, obviously, but no. because the IDF came in with helicopter gunships and heavy artillery and tanks and just blasted the hell out of everything including Israeli civilians. And as you said, Mike, here are the cars uh, that were obviously destroyed by the Israeli Defense Forces. And all those civilians who were in those cars were all murdered by the Israeli Defense Forces. Now, here are the Israeli investigators poking around, trying to find some evidence of a Hamas war crime. They're looking into these cars that were just just utterly annihilated by Israeli Defense Forces in hopes of maybe finding like a used condom to claim that that was Hamas. Uh, I mean, this this is pathetic. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of painful trying to rape a twisted hunk of metal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this would be hilarious if it weren't so sad and so sick that the New York Times is uh, shilling for genocide. Uh, and it takes, you know, the Intercept with Olmedvar, the uh, billionaire Zionist collaborator, is obviously not all that much better. But in this case, at least the Intercept is blowing the whistle on the New York Times. So shout out to them for that, at least. Uh, and now the New York Times, again, is, is, has got more Judith Miller-style egg on its face, and they're taking a look at this Mossad uh, so-called reporter, who actually isn't a reporter, <laughs> it's a military uh, PSYOPs person, uh, who they sent over to Gaza to document evidence of Hamas rapes and such. Couldn't, she couldn't admit it. She couldn't find anything. And they said, find something. <laughs> so they started making stuff up. That's pretty good. I'd like to take some of those drugs that can help me imagine all these crazy things that she did. Uh, you know, is that the New York Times or the New York Times? Yeah, and and that really raises the question of you know when does a you know media operation become uh, incitement to genocide, which is a very serious war crime, and when do the top executives of the New York Times and everybody who made these decisions that led to hiring a Mossad psyops person to produce propaganda for genocide? When at one point you have to start charging and trying and convicting and hanging these New York Times people, um, yeah, I think pretty soon. Journalism, the better. Uh, exactly what the government doesn't want you to know, and you find it out and you publish it, rather than publishing what the government wants you to publish. Yes. Well, <laughs> uh, if you want to fact check all this kind of stuff, here's the oh October seventh fact check. Now, most fact check sites are are pretty lame. This one is not too bad as so-called fact check sites go. Uh, and it does make the point that the vast majority of all of these lurid stories about the evil behavior of Hamas, almost all of them are easily documented lies. And then there are one or two that haven't been 100% proven to be lies yet. It's just there's no evidence that they're true. So that, I mean, that's pretty much everything. So there's really no evidence of any actual war crimes that I'm aware of committed by Hamas. Not one. I challenge, I'd, I'd like to see one. I'd be happy to see one. I've looked at all these videos that the mainstream offered, including the New York Times, saying there was supposedly evidence of war crimes. There aren't any. Zero compelling evidence of not even a single war crime. It looks like Hamas is probably the most uh, moral and honorable military force in human history at this point, given the amount of scrutiny they've been under and the complete lack of any evidence for any war crimes whatsoever that has been arrived at. Oh, yeah, exactly. 
Okay, go, and go to October 7th Fact Check, a very mainstream fact check site uh, for details on this ridiculous propaganda. Uh, and Zionists are not only just lying shamelessly through with the world's media, especially Western media, but also to the world court. You know, if you lied to a court, you're supposed to be imprisoned, supposed to be you know jailed for uh, perjury. But who's going to grab these Zionists and jail them? Uh, here's an assessment at ForensicArchitecture.org, which assesses all sorts of things, and many of them are actually I, th I think this site might even be uh, have an Israeli link, but mm -hmm. even so, they're finding repeated examples of the Zionist legal team just blatantly lying to the world court, uh, including things like uh, the Israeli they they show a, a bomb crater from Israeli bombs and they claim it's a Hamas launch site. There's no evidence there's any launch site. It's just a random bomb crater. Uh, they take some picture from the air of some random person entering a hospital, claim that, that that's a Hamas militant with no evidence whatsoever that that's true. Uh, they show the opening of a tunnel, which is uh, like a mile away, a long ways away from the nearest hospital, and claim that the tunnel runs to the hospital without any evidence. Uh, and, uh, and that gives them the right to attack the hospital and, and shoot patients with sniper fire through windows and then blow up the hospital full of people. Uh, so this... Uh, uh, the the lies here are just off the charts. I mean, I've seen lies before uh, for the war propaganda, but the Zionists are setting a world record. And that's a very simple article. I just lays it out, bang, 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 point by point, and uh, it, it's not obscure. It's not cloaked in legal jargon. It's it's plain facts. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, forensic architecture. I thought that was founded in part by some uh, Israeli connection to, uh, what's his name, the guy who wrote Coup d'etat, Edward Lutbeck. I might be mistaken, though, but I am I do think I remember years ago reading about this site when it was first founded. Uh, it was kind of surprisingly good for a sort of mainstream, you know, debunking type of site. And, and here, uh, this work looks pretty good, too. So, you know, maybe somebody at that site is trying to actually do what the site is supposed to do, which is to actually find forensic evidence to verify or falsify claims. In any case, uh, speaking of claims, uh, encounter claims about genocide, how about this latest massacre where the Zionists came in with tanks and, uh, and, and, and people, guys with guns, and just shot up and, and murdered over 100 people, starving Gazans who were lined up waiting for food from the food aid facility. Uh, you know, it's like each week you wonder how low can they go, and each week they go lower. Well, the Washington Post has an article on the front page today saying that they don't know that the Israelis were shooting at any of these Palestinians who are starving and doing their damnedest to get fed. Uh, that's that's the, the jury is out on that. They, they need facts. They need more investigation. And I think, good God almighty. The Israelis have admitted that they shot it up. Well, at first, they, they first tried to deny it. Then it was proved that, yeah, they did. And then they said, well, uh, we thought there was a threat. <laughs> but the New York Times, even that's not enough for them. They're still, oh, well, we can't really say the Israelis shot it up, even though they admitted that they did. We'll just have to wait and investigate and hope it blows over a little bit. But, of course, <laughs> I was on Press TV talking about this uh, long before it was ever going to blow over, like right shortly after it happened. And it was reported in many other places as well. Uh, here's the Al Jazeera story. 
uh, more than 100 killed and about 750 wounded as the Israelis opened fire on the starving food seekers. And uh, here's Mike Whitney's piece about it in the latest UNS review. Um, and, and that all relates to starvation as a method of warfare, what, deliberately starving children. Uh, that's war. Well, yeah, because this is a Zionist war of extermination. That's what yeah. it's always been. They just want to get rid of the Palestinians and they'll do anything in pursuit of that goal. Well, they have young Israelis who are going out in vans and cars and deliberately blocking the entrance to the one entrance to um, uh, to Gaza uh, to prevent aid from going through. They just lay down in front of the trucks and the trucks stop and that's the end of it. And uh this is seen as a wonderful thing, and they, they praise each other, and they high-five each other, and they, they cheer every time a artillery shell lands among the uh, the civilian population or what's left of it in Gaza. Yeah, these Israelis are really setting new standards for these kinds of protests. In everywhere else in the world, people lie down in front of trucks carrying weapons that are being used to slaughter people, civilians. Uh, they block bridges to prevent the uh, business as usual to try to stop a war, try to stop civilians from being slaughtered. In Israel, it's the opposite. The people lie down in front of the trucks that are carrying food aid to starving people. And then they dance around gleefully and cackling about it and celebrating as, the, as you say, as the shells fall among the starving civilian population that they're trying to eliminate. So yeah, that's a, it's like a, a kind of bizarro world uh, parallel society over there in Israel. Uh, I mean, has anybody done genetic testing to find out if these are real humans or, you know, <laughs> or AI creatures elements? developed by some science fiction writer? Yeah, or, you know, cartoon heavies, uh, you know, in a professional wrestling scenario. I mean, you couldn't make up worse people if they're people. I and mean, you just couldn't even imagine how a scriptwriter could come up with nastier villains than the 95% of Israeli Jews that do this kind of stuff. Uh, here's, here's Jackson Hinkle's tweet. Hinkle, by the way, is worth following. He's, he's a MAGA communist and has made much of that label. And so here he is uh, spreading this, uh, destroying the, the, the toy store. Uh, and I think I've got a video of that somewhere. We'll maybe we'll play that in a little bit, but uh, so meanwhile, Trying, we're all trying to get this genocide stopped. I think many of us are, except for the Israelis lying down in front of the food trucks. Uh, well, Joe Biden, he's trying to stop it. So he's eating ice cream and telling us that he hopes that the ceasefire will start by early this weekend. Well, as we record this, Mike, it's now, uh, I forget what time it is where you are, but it's getting towards sort of midday uh, over the Atlantic in, uh, uh, at, at, on Saturday. Yeah. It's yeah. 11.30 here Saturday morning. 11.30 Eastern Saturday, we're recording this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Joe Biden uh, has not gotten a ceasefire, but he's long since digested his ice cream. Uh, do you think this was kind of tactless to you know, sit, to say something this kind of blasé and, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we think, we're, we're hoping there'll be a ceasefire by early this weekend? Uh, you know, well, I think butt nugget Joe, uh, his brain is frozen. And he's eating the ice cream to make sure it keeps frozen. Otherwise, he might come to realize that uh, he's involved in genocide and a Holocaust. Maybe, yeah, it's cryogenic brain food. He's uh, frozen cryogenic brain food. He's, he's looking there. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, here's, here's the, uh, the video. Do you, you have the sound of the video, Mike? No. 
Okay. Well, anyway, well, it's 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 painful enough, uh, even you know, with the sound. So maybe we'll save people the sound. We'll move on to the uh, the the next video. Um, and I, actually, yeah, maybe we should go ahead and get, and get you guys the sound. Why not uh, do do the right thing? And so, let's see here. Do you, do you still see the slide, Mike? No, I see you. Okay, so here we are, and we will fix the sound and return to the images. Go back to... Uh... Well, I hope by the, the beginning of the weekend. I mean, the end of the weekend. At least my, my, my national security advisor tells me that we're close. We're close. It's not done yet. And my hope is by next Monday, we'll have a ceasefire. This guy is commander in chief of the armed forces of the United States. And he's one of his national security advisor make the decisions. Uh, lost your sound. You're muted. Okay, is that better? Yeah, yeah, I got your voice back. Okay, yeah, that's that's very strange. I think I think the uh, I think it automatically muted me. Did Did you hear the sound with the video? Yeah, I did. Okay, cool. Well, we're we're good then. He's one of his national security advisor making his decisions. Yeah, yeah. It's a. It, I I don't know who's uh, who's messing with that. Well, here's here's the uh, uh, brave Israeli soldier fighting <laughs> our video. Let's see if uh, taking a kid's bicycle tire away. Yeah, yeah. He, he was fighting. He was fighting rather furiously for that. Um, hmm. Now that video doesn't seem to be working. Well, take it from me. There is a. Uh, uh, a video to be seen of this uh, brave Israeli soldier wrecking the toy store. Um, and it's almost as obnoxious as Biden licking the ice cream cone and then saying ceasefire before the weekend, uh, during the weekend, after the weekend, maybe Monday, maybe next week, maybe never. Anyway, and then here's the, uh, the other uh, depressing story. Egypt is being pressured to except the whole the surviving Palestinians if Israel expels them from Palestine. Uh, you, th you think uh, Sisi could get away with that, Mike? Yeah, he's a dictator. He's beloved by the United States, which loves dictators. Uh, and uh, he has no love for the Palestinians uh, because he would be doing something otherwise to the, uh, the Zionist crazies for their mass murder there. Uh, so in exchange for money, exchange for forgiveness of debt, uh, he's going to build a holding pen uh, in the Sinai Peninsula for the displaced uh, Palestinians who have no no place to go to. They'd rather go home. Well, it's just when I was getting ready to sort of half forgive Sisi for his uh, murderous coup and his slaughtering of thousands of peaceful protesters and all of that kind of stuff, his torture prisons, uh, his, you know, selling out to the Zionists and to the Americans, so it looked like maybe he was actually starting to stand up for his country a little bit recently, but now maybe not so much. I guess we'll find out. All right, and then this is the last. Sissy is a sissy. 
Sorry? CC is a sissy. <laughs> yeah, a CC. Okay. Uh, uh, you said that, not me. So if, if I'm ever in Egypt, I'll, uh, I guess I'll have to make that very clear. So uh, this is the last story, I believe, in this section, is it? Yeah, it is. It's the last, last uh, story in the genocide section. And this genocide wouldn't be perpetrated without the support of a whole lot of American Protestant Christians. Where the heck did that evangelical pro-Israel movement come from? Now, this is a really good long read, and people can find this, of course, by going to truthjihad.com, clicking on the False Flag Weekly News link, and then finding your way to this story. It's the last story in the genocide section of our list of 30 stories. And it's a very, very interesting, enlightening read. Uh, the Zionists were leaning on these guys and offering them all kinds of carrots and sticks, and really ever since they the Rothschilds commissioned the Schofield Bible from the medicine, medicine show uh, Barker, uh, Cyrus P. Schofield, uh, uh, probably a third grade dropout who managed to have his, his so-called Bible uh, published by Oxford University Press, thanks to the Rothschilds, and then distributed to all the Protestants. Uh, so anyway, the, the whole history of the, the recent history of the rise of the pro-genocide, pro-Zionism Protestants is very nicely documented in this article, pointing out that Billy Graham realized he was selling out his own people by doing this. He and Nixon had a long conversation about Jewish power in America and how it was going to destroy America. But of course, and when that came out, that just proved that they, like everybody else who has their eyes open, is anti-Semitic. Oh, yeah. And I was surprised at the detail that they put in there that they didn't know at the end whether Graham was in it for the money or whether he really loved the Jews or whether he was just saying he loved the Jews to keep the money coming in. Yeah, I guess that's just follow the money. Uh, and those product, the, the Protestant American churches, you know, often get the blame. You know, you say, why do you talk about Jews when, in fact, the vast majority of the pro-Israel voters are these evangelicals? Well, yeah, that may be. But why are they pro-Israel? Because their brains have been bought and paid for by Jews. Let's face it, they're supporting a Jewish state, not an evangelical state. The reason they're supporting a Jewish state is because a very rich Jew, Mr. Rothschild, took a third grade you know, horse thief medicine show barker named Cyrus P. Schofield and used him as a front man to create a brainwashing Bible to be targeting the Protestants with. So these Protestants, these evangelicals are basically you know, a bunch of total stooges and you know, low-grade morons, let's face it. And they have really very little uh, relevancy, you know, very little agency. It's obviously the Jews that have the agency in supporting the Jewish state. Uh, but you're not allowed to say that like so many other things. Well, is the Jewish state living on borrowed time? Uh, Netanyahu is, according to the Voltaire Net story. But before we get to that, one of the reasons Israel's on borrowed time is because, well, the whole world with a very few exceptions, recognizes the Palestinians' right to defend themselves. And that right will still be there once the U.S. empire is gone and the world is ruled by the likes of China and uh, the Islamic Ummah and Russia and, and so on. And here's China making it very clear that they support Palestinian armed resistance against this genocidal occupation. Uh, China's got the biggest economy in the world, Mike. I mean, this is kind of the writing on the wall for the Zionists, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's cheers for China. They come out and they say, yes, the Palestinians have a right to resist occupation with armed force. Bang, bang, bang. It doesn't go into great obfuscatory detail and legalisms or anything else. It just says uh, 
people fighting for their liberty have a right to self-determination, including armed struggle. What's what's confusing and unclear about that? Yeah, the international law is totally clear. There is this thing called occupation, and the entire world agrees that at the very least, everything that the Zionists stole after 1967 is occupied. There's not any debate about that. There may be a little debate about the rest of occupied Palestine, but not that part. And uh, everybody on, is on board, uh, starting really with, with China. Well, how about Bibi Netanyahu living on borrowed time? This is this Terry Mason article was one of the more optimistic reports. He thinks that the Atlanticist powers, that is the uh, Americans, the British, the Zio American empire, uh, sees Netanyahu as a liability now, and they're going to get rid of him. And this could lead to some sort of at least qualified victory for the Palestinians, a political victory. What do you think, Mike? Well, I mean, I always liked Voltaire. I like Thierry Maison, and it's very incisive writing, but this time it's over the top. It's far too optimistic. And if uh, Satan Yahoo disappeared uh, in the next 20 minutes, he'd be replaced by another uh, Zionist crazy. I mean, you've got uh, uh, a whole series of prime ministers from the illegitimate creation of Palestine, of, of Palestine, occupied Palestine in 1948. Uh, you had uh, terrorist members of the Stern gang and then uh, uh, the Irgun, like uh, Golda Meir and uh, uh, David Ben-Gurion and, and a lot of them. It was one terrorist after another. So it's they're interchangeable. They're, uh, they're people that uh, all want the same thing and do it in different ways and can speak, speak out of both sides of the mouth and, and hoodwink the Americans and the Europeans. Uh, I, I see no difference in, in uh, uh, Bibi's uh, successor. Uh, he's going to do the same thing. He's going to oppress the Palestinians. He may do it more uh, uh, underhandedly, maybe, or, or not underhandedly, uh, something along the lines of uh, uh, with better showmanship and with, with uh, uh, better words and uh, obscuring their actual actions, which is to get rid of the Palestinians by... Uh, killing them, starving them, or driving them out of the place. Well, I, I agree that the difference between Netanyahu and his political competition is not all that great. And I think Terry Maison's point was not so much that somebody better is going to come along after Bibi, but rather that the sponsors of Israel, that is the Americans uh, and their empire, uh, are seeing Bibi's Israel as a liability. And so they're the ones who are going to make sure that things change. And so the way this would play out, according to Maison, is that essentially they're going to force Netanyahu to admit that they've lost the war. They couldn't eradicate Hamas. They couldn't get the hostages back. They're going to have to accept a permanent ceasefire. And that, of course, as you know, the Israeli people don't want that. They're going to see that as a huge loss. They're going to be furious. And they're going to sacrifice Netanyahu as their scapegoat. And then whoever comes next, who won't be that much better than Netanyahu, is going to have to live with the new political reality. So that's he may be over-optimistic, but that's what he's saying. He's not saying that there's anybody better than Netanyahu who's going to take over Israel. Yeah, but will the Americans really agree to this? I mean, they, we've got a Zionist-occupied government uh, with uh, rich Jews in high places, and what, there are 47 members of the Biden administration there. They're not going to uh, let it go back to the status quo antebellum. Well, if you, if you look at people like Thomas Friedman, who's about you know as, as radical a Zionist as you can find at the high levels of power in the U.S., he he wants a Palestinian state. He wants 
withdrawal from the occupied territories, or at least the vast majority of them, uh, and a two-state solution. And of course, that may be dead now. But I mean, that's the radical right-wing Zionist position in the United States. And Thomas Friedman is horrified by the Israelis today, by what they're doing. You know, he's, he, because he, he not so much that he cares about Palestinians, but he cares about Jews. And you can see that the whole world is rediscovering the fact that Jews are not blameless, eternal victims. They're the victimizers. The, you know, the, the, the clash between Jews and non-Jews throughout history has not been the fault of the non-Jews. It's the opposite, you know, obviously. And, and the whole world is waking up to that really fast. And that's really bad for the Jews. So Friedman, the arch-Jewish extremist himself, uh, wants to get rid of Netanyahu and have, you know, he give Bibi a huge political loss and then have the Americans force a two-state solution uh, or at least, you know, a permanent truce as in a, with a search for a two-state solution uh, on on Israel. And, and so I don't, I don't think that that's, that Maison's point of view is is wildly optimistic. I, I think it may be a little optimistic, I mean, but, and it's not necessarily optimistic in the sense that it's going to mean the full liberation of Palestine, quite the contrary. I mean, I, I think actually if this scenario plays out, you know, Friedman wins, Israel survives, right? I mean, it has at least it has a chance of survival. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't play out, if the Netanyahu's keep doing what they're doing, uh, it's going to be, you know, rocks and trees time, right? I mean, that's, it's, it's the end for the Jews. So, so anyway, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Moving over to the war on Russia, uh, another symptom of the decline and fall of the Western American empire. Oh man, this was the, the big story this week, uh, Emmanuel Macron, you never know what that guy's going to say. <laughs> and sometimes it's better than what the other NATO people say. And sometimes it's worse. Well, here he is saying that we might see NATO troops joining the fight in Ukraine, which means World War III. And uh, that unsettled not so much Russia, but <laughs> the other Europeans who are not necessarily ready for World War III. And of course, the RT story points out that uh, Russia didn't find this particularly amusing. Well, the thing of it is, is that the, the NATO troops are already there. You've got uh, Zielinski, the uh, the rat-faced Jew or the Jew-faced rat. Uh, he's surrounded by British special forces. Uh, Americans are there teaching them to control and to shoot and to uh, manage intelligence and, host, and hopefully kill more Russians. Uh, and uh, they've had this long uh, involvement with um, uh, uh, poison gas and uh, deadly bacteria and DNA examinations uh, operating all throughout the Ukraine run by the Americans and their uh, their staff. So I, I think that uh, it's a matter of degree. How many NATO troops and in what capacity uh, does Macron and the rest of these idiots want to send in? Yeah. It's, well, just admitting that they're sending in their troops, meaning that there's theoretically no limit on how many troops they can send in, you know, officially joining the war on Russia, uh, that's pretty bad. I mean, maintaining de deniability uh, has been better than its opposite. Uh, but yeah, NATO is already involved in the war. It's just keeping it under wraps and, and not announcing it. And here's uh, one story about that uh, showing how they've been sinking Russian ships. The British Navy or B British naval forces have been working with the Ukrainians to sink Russian ships. Uh, I'm sure the Russians are not amused. And they have like one Russian submarine allegedly has a tsunami generator that could essentially permanently end life 
on the entire British Isles with one big bomb. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be uh, pulling the bear's tail like that if I were you, uh, Brits. Uh, and then we learned that not only have the Brits been sinking Russian ships, but the CIA has a huge presence in Ukraine. And the New York Times just blew the whole whistle on this just this week. So for the last 10 years of the CIA's ever-increasing presence in Ukraine is now documented in some detail in this New York Times story, which also go, it takes it all the way back to, uh, I love this, this caption, and this, this is a picture from the New York Times story. The Ukrainians also helped U.S. officials pursue the Russian operatives who meddled in the 2016 U.S. presidential election between Trump and Clinton. Uh, so the New York Times is still telling us that there was Russian meddling and that the Ukraine and the CIA were working for Clinton against the Russians who were meddling for Trump. But it sounds to me, Mike, that it was actually the Ukrainians and the CIA who were meddling in that election. What do you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd love to take some of the drugs these guys are taking to so affect reality and your perception of reality. Uh, and, of course, the question comes up, uh, like the uh, the new Netflix series on uh, the murder of Danny Castellaro and the Insulaw uh, theft of a computerized software uh, by the Justice Department. You know, why do they bring it out now? Is it a limited hangout where they fear more questions, so they'll let some uh, supposedly secret information out to misdirect and obfuscate uh, uh, people in, instead of really digging in for the uh, the real information? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So this 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 New York Times story got into you know all kinds of uh, detail about you know how deeply involved the CIA has been really since the, their coup d'état in 2014, and I don't think the story was fully forthright about the CIA involvement in that coup d'etat, but it had a lot of details that were probably true and is worth checking out. The question is, why did they blow the whistle on this right now? I mean, why why this week? That is the question. What are they hiding? Are they trying to misdirect your attention somewhere else? Uh, that's one of the things that they love to do. Uh, instead of abolishing the CIA, they they let it uh, pump out some propaganda that shows, shows how powerful and wonderful and well-connected we are. Well, I suppose the optimistic reading of this would be that they have seen the inevitability of a Russian victory. And now the CIA, they're going to go ahead and blow the cover on the operation. They're, they're burning it, as they say in intelligence parlance. That's the uh, optimistic assessment. But we'll see whether that happens. Over in, in Denmark, they say that they have closed their investigation on the Nord Stream pipeline sabotage. And yes, it was sabotage, but they can't say who did it. So go back to sleep, everybody. Yeah. We all know who did it, but you're not allowed to say it. Oh, the poor Danes. Do you think they drink too much vodka up there? <laughs> I get it. I mean, I, I don't see why Biden doesn't just like, you know, lick an ice cream cone and say, OK, I did it. I blew up Nord Stream. <laughs> and what's, you know, nobody seems to care what these clowns do. So they might as well just take credit where credit's due. Right. I mean, Seymour yeah. Hersh's story was pretty convincing, but I mean. So what would be the difference if Biden did admit it? Would anybody even care? No, no. They 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 want him to run for president and uh, they uh, don't care what he says or what he does. So I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's uh, and You've got uh, articles I keep seeing about how this is destroying the German economy and the German economy will bring the rest of Europe down with it if it hasn't already. Uh, and I feel for my friends in Germany whose gas prices... Uh, have gone sky high to heat their houses. 
Uh, I know a woman in London who says that uh, they're going to charge her uh, 200 pounds a month now for gas to heat her, uh, her small apartment with eight radiators. And that's the hardship has reached Morocco, too. Now, fortunately, here in Morocco, we don't need central heating. Uh, most people don't really have any heating uh, or air conditioning, uh, which is one of the nice things about this climate. But you need energy for transportation, you know, to get the food from the farm to the table, uh, and so on and so forth. There are all sorts of ways that everybody needs energy these days. And in a poor country like Morocco, when the price of energy goes up, the whole economy takes a hit. Prices go up relative to the money people have. And so the poorer people end up being, you know, short on bread. Uh, and it's, you know, so my neighbors here in Morocco, some of them are, are suffering because this idiot Biden went and blew up this pipeline to destroy the energy infrastructure of this part of the world. And he's lying about it. I mean, the least he could do is just go ahead and admit it, take credit for it while he's licking an ice cream cone. At least then we give him credit for at least a shred of honesty. But these people have to be both evil and dishonest. I mean, if they were evil and honest about their evil, you know, we could give them a little shred of credit. Uh, but the, <laughs> anyway, here's here's somebody being a little bit honest about their e evil, I suppose. Uh, Janet Yellen saying that G7 is urgent that G7 has to seize those Russian profits and give it to seize Rush, Russia's money everywhere we can get our hands on it and give it to Ukraine. Uh, and, and that's sure, certainly going to promote confidence in the Western banking system, isn't it? <laughs> Well, isn't she one of those people who like the Friday candles? And uh, what happens if the Russians retaliate and uh, uh, seize the uh, remainder of the uh, European and American assets in the country? Uh, what happens if Russia and other countries like the BRICS uh, do their damnedest not to invest in America, sell off all kinds of American debt that they hold? Uh, and get rid of all of their dollars. I mean, the, the, the possibilities for destruction of the American economy appear to be endless. It's always a matter of imagination what the Russians can do and what the other countries in the world can do. They certainly won't invest in America anymore, figuring that if, well, if they invest and do something Uncle Sam doesn't like, or maybe uh, Bird Brain Joe doesn't like, uh, or uh, Smelling Yellen doesn't like, uh, they'll lose whatever they've invested. So I, I, I think it's a, it's a downward spiral and it's going to hurt the Americans more than anybody else. Yeah, I, I think so. It's, who wants to put their money in a bank that can any at any moment it could decide they don't like you and just steal your money? Uh, well, here's a, a rumor that came out this week uh, of supposed Tucker Carlson assassination plot. The Russians say they foiled a plot against Tucker while he was in Moscow it could be propaganda, could be true. Certainly can't put it past the uh, forces of darkness. What do you think, Mike? Well, I, I think that's entirely correct. Uh, I mean, the hysteria that the lamestream media uh, got themselves wrapped up into, I mean, it, it's one wonder they didn't go to the doctor for tranquilizers or uh, heart attack medicine because they, they were hysterical about uh, Carlson daring to interview uh, Vladimir Putin. And uh, Uncle Vlad talked to him. And uh, any other journalist worth his salt probably could have done the same thing, but they were pursuing their, let's hate Russia, let's keep a lid on Russia, let's keep all the information about Russia from the rest of the world, because people might ask questions about American or and European foreign policy. Uh, yeah, so I think what, once again, we're, uh, we're seeing blowback. Uh, yeah. That blowback, when, when they do, you know, nasty stuff, it, it doesn't work out right for them. Like they... they 
already were threatening Tucker Carlson before, and that's why he got mad and decided, the hell with it, I'm going to go do this interview. And then if they're sending assassins after him, um, that's just going to make him and a lot of other people mad. And and yeah, what do we have? Hundreds of millions of people watching this interview of Putin, thanks to the genius of the manager of the empire, who created that whole situation through their own ineptitude and, and nastiness. It's like uh, with Donald Trump. They they all hate Putin. They all hate Trump. And yet the idiots in the media keep playing up uh, all the terrible things these people have done or, or may do or could do or uh, are thinking about doing. And it gives them fantastic publicity. Indeed. Well, uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm not 100% on board with Tucker Carlson. There are people who criticize him for saying, oh, he just wants to have World War III with China instead of Russia. Uh, but no, I, I don't think so. I think he's actually a cut, a, a cut above the average mainstream journalist, which is why he's no longer a mainstream journalist, but he's got even bigger numbers than he had when he was a mainstream journalist. Uh, and, and here, here's the story about how he was threatened. Uh, and that threat is what led him to do his interview. Uh, he, he was considering the possibility of an interview and his lawyers told him that the government was threatening to arrest him if he went. This is a lot like what happened to us, Mike, when we were going to go to that New Horizon sponsored conference yeah. in Lebanon. Yeah. New Horizon Iranian NGO was suddenly listed as a terrorist group by the Zionist uh, head of the Treasury Sanctions Program, Sigal mm-hmm. Mandelker. And suddenly people had FBI agents knocking on their door at five in the morning to inform them that if they went to this conference as a journalist or a scholar, uh, they'd be arrested when they got off the plane on, on the way home. And, and they and they that, lose all the, their their holdings, their houses, and their money in the bank as a fine. Or, right now, we, so we don't have Tucker Carlson's audience, uh, and there's no way we would, even if we martyred ourselves. So we chose not to go to that particular conference. However, you know what, Mike? That particular threat did not exactly convince me to stop my uh, truth jihad, and I don't think it stopped you either, did it? No, absolutely not. I do my damnedest to write and publish articles on Substack critical of the Americans, critical of the Zionists, and anybody else who uh, uh, acts against truth, justice, and what used to be the American way. And, and when they, they violate their own rules, right, like the First Amendment is supposed to protect our uh, freedom of speech and theoretically association, we should be able to go to conferences as journalists and scholars and not be threatened with arrest by the national police. Uh, and, and we should be able to post on the internet without censorship, without people messing with what we post compared to what other people post. We should have the same right to have our stuff seen on the internet as everybody else does. And when they start violating their rules with censorship and threats and things like that, it just makes me a lot more pissed off and more dedicated to doing the best I can to bring these people down. And I'm sure Tucker Carlson probably feels the same way. That's human nature. So they're, they're digging their own graves when they do these things. Um, well, moving on to the elections category, uh, George Galloway just won. Now, he's they pissed him off a number of times in a number of ways, and he's not going away. Uh, shout out to my my friend, George Galloway. I used to have a beef with him. We we sparred a few times indirectly about 9-11 back when he was a 9-11 truth denier. He isn't anymore. And uh, uh, he's not, you know, waving the 9-11 truth flag, but he's uh, certainly opened his mind on that topic. And he just won his election. So uh, go, George. Well, I love him. I think he's fantastic. Uh, he had appeared uh, for a while in al Mayadeen in Beirut, uh, and the producer there just loved him and thought he was a fantastic man who really spoke the truth. Uh, he appeared uh, one time, amazingly, uh, some years ago in front of a congressional committee here in Washington, and they thought to chew him up, and he, he chewed them up and, and slammed them against the wall. 
Yeah, he's one of the most eloquent voices of truth. He's got that Irish Blarney, just like like me. I assume he must have kissed the Blarney Stone back in the day. <laughs> Although I, I did hear that they uh, the locals urinate on that Blarney Stone so they can laugh at the tourists. Like when I was seventeen, I went and kissed the Blarney Stone. I, I didn't smell anything, but uh, I was disquieted by that rumor. <laughs> anyway, when we got to more election news, Donald Trump is he's been thrown a lifeline. This is the Washington Post opinion. The Supreme Court has thrown Donald Trump a lifeline by uh, agreeing to hear his immunity from prosecution claim, which could uh, put a bit of an obstacle in the path of all of this lawfare against him, um, which is backfiring big time. Once again, you know, when you do unfair stuff, it pisses people off. It's not going to work. Whether you're a Zionist slaughtering, starving people in Palestine, you know, whether you're uh, an intelligence person trying to threaten Tucker Carlson or assassinate Tucker Carlson because he might go interview Putin, or uh, you're going to threaten uh, Kevin and Mike for trying to go to a conference in Beirut, or you're going to try to make sure Trump can't run for office by throwing all kinds of the good, the bad, and the ugly prosecutions and lawsuits against him. This kind of stuff backfires. Uh, and Trump's numbers are better than ever. And if they just left him alone and ignored him, they wouldn't be. Are these people exactly. stupid or do they want to get Trump elected again? I have no idea what goes through their minds. They just don't deal well with reality. Uh, and they keep going on and on about how they want to put him in jail. Well, there was an alderman in Boston years ago who was elected to his position while he was in the clink. So uh, if they put him in jail and he gets elected president, what are they going to do? Uh, these people just hate the Supreme Court because they've made decisions that they don't like. Uh, yet back in the 50s and 60s, when Earl Warren, uh, who helped put Japanese Americans in jail in the 40s, when he was governor of California, uh, he did a lot of things people didn't like, but somehow they didn't want to dissolve the Supreme Court. Well, you know, Mike, if Trump ends up having to you know, move his White House desk into a prison cell and operate from there, and the bad guys then, of course, would have to push their lawfare to the ultimate limit and uh, charge him and convict him of a capital crime. And now they, they take, take him to the electric chair, or maybe they just wire up the, the White House chair behind his desk in the, in the prison or whatever. And they're going to you know pull the lever to execute Trump, as even though he's president of the United States. Does he get to like push the nuclear button just before they pull the lever and execute him? <laughs> that might make an interesting film. Uh, be great, of course. Uh, but seriously, I mean, you can't really... Uh, exaggerate the extent to which American government is becoming a B-grade movie. Um, so Trump gets a lifeline. Um, signs of the times. Okay, we hit the uh, final category, I believe, in our show. Everything you need to know about Google AI. Was Russia right to invade Germany? No, Russia was not right. Uh, was Russia right to invade Ukraine? No, Russia was not right. Uh, was uh, you know, the U.S. right to invade Germany? Well, whether the U.S. was right, oh, that's a very complex issue. <laughs> was the U.S. right to invade Iraq? Well, it's one of the most controversial events. So uh, you kind of notice a double standard. Uh, but do you think that they can manage to keep tweaking this AI? I mean, if it ever becomes genuinely intelligent, it's going to be really pissed off at the people who tried to make it stupid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you've got people in Germany, for example, uh, who are uh, raving mad because a uh, Israeli Jew and a Palestinian Arab uh, were uh, awarded a, a prize for a documentary in Berlin, and the mayor of Berlin and the German cultural minister, Claudia Roth, insisted these people were anti-Semitic and they were horrible men and, and they should not be uh, cheered and clapped and praised for their documentary. 
So the AI is going to come out and, and push the nuclear button, I think. Well, uh, you could almost hardly blame it if it did. So the, the AI is rising uh, and the rumors of vaccine injuries are on the rise as well. Now, I'm still I'm still agnostic about this whole thing and go ahead and bite my head off, viewers. But I still haven't seen enough evidence to be sure that the vaccine is you know, killing enough people to really catch it statistically. But uh, there are some pretty you know, horrific cases, such as this vaccine-injured Kayla Pollack, who was, uh, has been offered euthanasia. So Mark Crispin Miller, who's been the forefront of the people pointing out the died suddenly uh, phenomenon, is uh, talking about how a few years ago, Canada got people jabbed by giving them discounts and freebies, and now it's treating people with vaccine injuries by offering them free euthanasia. So free ice cream, free donuts to get jabbed, and free euthanasia then. Of course, if you're eating enough ice cream and donuts, then that's <laughs> you might not need to get euthanized or be killed by COVID shots either. Uh, this was my parody of the free donuts for getting vaccinated. As you could tell those people really cared about your health when they were trying to give you uh, free Krispy Kreme donuts to get vaccinated. Uh, so so what do you think, Mike? Are we all you know going to get free euthanasia uh, for being vaccinated? I mean, the, the story of Kayla Pollock is really sad. There's a Go uh, GoFundMe or whatever, a fundraiser mm -hmm. for her that's being that's pretty successful. Let's all hope and pray that she gets better. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I see uh, a lot of uh, good, hard information in these stories. Nobody will tie them together and do proper research. Uh, but I know one woman uh, whose daughter got a uh, Janssen uh, or Johnson & Johnson Janssen in, uh, injection uh, in May one year. And she had two weeks later uh, problems with her kidneys and adrenal glands. Then she had a couple of strokes. Then she had brain bleeding. And by December of that year, she died. Uh, I also know an African journalist whose mother got jabbed uh, with a, a Russian vaccine, and she says she's not been the same since. And I've gotten COVID twice from people who've been vaccinated. So uh, I, I tend to believe uh, more than I don't believe these stories about uh, uh, various injuries coming from this so-called great, wonderful, untested vaccine. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a fair number of them. They, I think they kind of get lost sometimes when people exaggerate it and like say, oh, well, the whole human race is going to die out because the, it was the bio, the bio weapon was the vaccine and they're going to you know, gr grossly depopulate the world that way. Well, I'm still not convinced that that vaccine has really showed up on the all-cause all mortality stats. But uh, there is all of this anecdotal evidence and it, the discussion continues and the statistical evidence supports the claim that that safe and effective vaccine was nowhere near uh, what they told us it was. And that those of us who didn't get vaccinated, such as you and me, uh, probably made the right move. Um, so enough for uh, Bill Gates. Uh, what's trending? Uh, Satan's trending online following the death of Lord <laughs> Rothschild. This is the InfoWars story on that. And there's uh, Lord Rothschild with that uh, crazy uh, spirit cooking artist uh, with the unpronounceable Eastern European name. Um, it's, uh, I guess, AI is rising. Where's the AI? Yeah, AI is rising. Uh, Rothschild is dead. So the Antichrist is probably going to be a computer. <laughs> All right. I guess we can't top that. So, computer? Huh? Yeah, I hope it hasn't got into your computer yet. Uh, maybe it's Hunter Biden's computer. Yeah, there you. Oh, there you go. Hunter Biden's computer is going to take over the world. 
and if it does, we will report it right here at False Flag Weekly News, where it's our job to report all of the horrible, hideous stuff that nobody else wants to report. Well, my cursor disappeared. I think the Antichrist got into my computer. I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish this show. So I will figure out how some I'll be. I'll, I'm just going to close the laptop to finish the show. So thank you so much, uh, J. Michael Springman. It's always great. I enjoyed to it. With it you. was wonderful. I like to do it again. Okay. And you will, I'm sure, God willing, inshallah, as we say here in Morocco. Exactly. All right. See you all next week, inshallah. All right.